The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Welcome. Welcome to the Visual Workplace. Yes, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I am your host on this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. In each show, we look at some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system into the living, dynamic landscape of work through visual devices, through visual systems how to install the language of our current level of operational excellence, even if we are not quite as excellent as we wish we would be or as we know we will be. We install that level. We make it concrete and specific through visual devices, visual mini-systems, visual macro-systems, and we can literally see how we think and predict how our operations will function, how that thinking will function because we've captured it physically through these devices. Oh, wonderful. And why do we bother? Well, first of all, we bother for the bottom line benefits in terms of improved safety, better quality, more line delivery time, shrinking cost, and for the splendid cultural alignment that visuality brings us, a spirited and engaged and inventive workforce on all levels, not just operators, but also supervisors and managers and field staff and marketing and purchasing and the executive level as well. And we do it so that we enjoy ourselves at work, so that we take the struggle out of work and we go to work, to work, to learn, to discover, to think. We enjoy ourselves at work. Oh, wonderful. And the enterprise becomes increasingly fluid. The struggle is gone and we can simply do our work and we can accomplish the outcomes that our company is dedicated to. That's the visual workplace. So welcome. And this week, well, this week we're going to talk about some principles and practices of building a successful improvement initiative after a few announcements. I do want to thank you again for your wonderful response to the books that Gary the Plumber, (laughs) Gary Galsworth the Plumber, and uh, his uh, Secret Life as a Poet have produced. Um, His books are Yes, Yes and Beyond the Wire. They're $12 and $14 respectively. They're inexpensive books, but they're beautiful books of poetry. Do not let poetry put you off. This is the poetry of a working man, a man who spent his whole life working, and he is also a poet. And I think that makes a very interesting combination and one that we support. You can find his books on Amazon, under Gary Galsworth, please get them and read them and enjoy them and pass them around. Give them away for Christmas. How wonderful that would be. So I wanted to also tell you, so thank you for that, and I also wanted to remind you that there are lots of ways that we support your journey to a visual workplace. We do it through a lot of free services and products, our podcasts, which you can find on our web, on our website, visualworkplace.com in a splendid new searchable format, really, really beautiful. You search by tags or you search by topic. They're easy to find and easy to download and listen to. You can do the same thing with my articles, the ones that I write every week for our newsletter, The Visual Thinker. They're free, 
for you to print out, for you send, to send on to others. They're good articles, only one page, quick reading, but all of them make a point. They're sort of like one-point lessons. You can also take advantage of our wonderful training and implementation system for operators' work that makes sense. We think it's very reasonable, and you can find that also on our website. It's called Work That Makes Sense, and our website is visualworkplace.com. Or sign up for a training of trainers. We think we're doing one in January. We think. It might be in December, but we think it's going to be January. It's a full week of learning how to be very successful using Work That Makes Sense and it's a great week, lots and lots of learning. Also free on our website, visualworkplace.com, are video clips. You'll find the video gallery towards the bottom of our homepage. There are lots of ways for you to learn more and go further. The important thing is that you continue and get visual and then get more visual. So please visit us at visualworkplace.com. If you want to contact us, you'll find it easy. Just click contact and there'll be a little form to fill out. So we're really glad you visit us. <laughs> so today, well, a number of you have emailed recently, I would say over the last two months, and asked for my best thinking about what kinds of tasks, practices and principles, what kinds of tools, could help before and doing and during an, an improvement initiative, any improvement initiative? I think it's a really good question. What needs to be in place to ensure your success? Because training is one piece of it, but there's another piece. It's, the, it's what I call the infrastructure or the behind-the-scenes activities that support the training and the implementation, and that makes success possible. Well, over the years, I've pulled together these elements into a list of 25. 25 principles and practices to build and sustain an improvement initiative. Now, I'm going to use as an anchor point a visual conversion, a visual rollout. But as I'm sure you'll see, these principles and practices are nearly 100% applicable to almost any and every improvement initiative. So you'll find them kind of universally useful. They are, with uh, a couple of exceptions, but only a couple, useful for all manner of long-term improvement, whether or not it's lean, just continuous improvement, coupled with TWI or quick changeover or problem solving, or even A3 and certainly 5S. For the sake of clarity, I have separated these 25 practices and principles into five sets. So I'm just going to give you the names of them now. It will take us three or four shows to go over them. I hope you listen to them all because, in fact, you will find, I believe, them to be very important. The first set is principles and practices that your site executive needs to apply in advance of the launch, in advance of the first day of training. That's the first set. The second set is for your trainers and supervisors before the launch to put into place. The third set is for trainers and supervisors to use during the conversion or during the initiative once you get rolling. The fourth set is simply a set of special tools that I have found useful that I want to name. And the fifth set are some bonus tools that are not mission critical but very helpful, which is to say the first four sets in my experience and in my opinion are mission critical. As I say, it'll take us three or four shows to cover, maybe even five. Please plan on listening to all of them. They are important, and I would boldly say that all the sets are of equal importance. That's the way it is with core principles and core, princip and core practices. They're all important. So let's dig in. I'll begin with the first set. This is a set of principles and practices for your side executive and the executive team to put into place prior to the launch. I'm going to name them. There are seven. I think we'll only get through about three or four of them today. Some of them will sound a little obscure, but I, 
I think you'll catch the drift. Practice one, name the expected outcomes. Practice two, identify your vision place. Practice three, develop and use your laminated map. And if that's a strange term to you, believe me, I'll explain it. <laughs> Practice four, set up your accountability team. I call it the three-legged stool. Practice five, publish your improvement time policy. Crack the code on time. Separate improvement time from production time. You're going to have to do this. Practice six, get your supervisors on board. And for visuality, that's a particular profile that's really key to your success. Of course, I'll go over it. And practice seven in this first set is get maintenance on board. So what I'm talking about here is that management is in charge, responsible for the outcome. You may find that strange because we often turn improvement initiatives over to our trainers or our supervisors. We hold our breath and we're hoping that everything will turn out right. But in my experience, there are certain tasks that management ne needs to do in order to support improvement, to make sure that it grounds, it roots, like a tree, it roots and it grows, that it survives and roots and grows. <laughs> I call it putting an infrastructure in place. That's its purpose. That's the purpose of these first seven tasks. I mean, look at the infrastructure in a city. It's a framework, isn't it? of interconnected elements that enable or support the city to function. The roads, part of the infrastructure. Water supply, another part of the infrastructure. The sewer system, another part of the infrastructure. As is the electrical grid and the phone, internet, and cable grid. You know, we're always hoping for a quick and easy solution and resolution to all workplace challenges. We're human. That's what we hope for. But we sometimes mistakenly think that improvement success is simply the result of good ideas, diligently implemented. But success, the kind that is long-term and long-lasting, requires more than that. Just as buildings require an infrastructure to function safely and well, so, for example, your visual conversion requires an infrastructure, an internal structure, a behind-the-scenes structure, a framework. And management puts it in place before the first associate is trained or the first brilliant idea is discussed. This improvement infrastructure is the company's insurance that steady progress will be made and will continue to be made, that learning will be applied, and that hard-won gains will be sustained. And as with buildings, the absence of an improvement framework in a company will go unnoticed until your implementation begins to fail. And by then, there is so little we can do to save the situation. The implementation begins to fail, and all of the pieces that should be in place to troubleshoot and protect that are not in place. And so instead of fixing it, instead of realigning, instead of finding out what's going wrong and taking steps, we just shake our heads and wonder why more strength was not designed into the structure at the outset. That's what I'm talking about. So we're going to slide into our first break right now, and I will pick this up when we come back. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. 
With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn. Welcome to the second part of our show today at the Visual Workplace. We are marching through the first set of principles and practices for creating an environment where you will have improvement success. This is not about the content. This is not about what you're teaching, but it is about how you're teaching it and what's behind the scenes to support the outcomes that go along with people learning to think and to work in a new way. And just before the break, I was talking to you about the improvement infrastructure and how important it is that it's the company's insurance that it will get a payback on its sizable improvement investment. And I was mentioning (laughs) that it's more than you think, but it is also almost invisible. Sometimes a company will uh, do two or three things instead of an array of practices to support its improvement process. For example, a lot of companies depend on the occasional Kaizen Blitz or Visual Blitz. But a Blitz is not equivalent to creating a strong, powerful infrastructure. In fact, in my view, a Blitz is only one of 25 practices, the ones that I'm talking about, these principles and practices that we started today. And you can think of it as one twenty-fifth of a pie. It's a really tiny slice. It may taste good, but it's really tiny. And it can't possibly substitute for the whole thing. You need all of these pieces working together. We always hope for a quick and easy solution, as I said before. But success requires more than that, long-lasting, long-term success. So the company's infrastructure is like a framework or formula for ensuring a strong launch, a gradual, steady, powerful build, the ability to deal with problems along the way to troubleshoot, and also to create a structure that resides in the company as a legacy once your current improvement focus is fulfilled. You've done TWI, it's completed, and if you've worked on an infrastructure, then it's there to take the next piece, which might be visuality, or it might be quick changeover, or it might be zero defects. But the company is positioned to move on to its next improvement horizon because you've used the previous improvement process to build your infrastructure. And so you move from strength to strength. Your improvement infrastructure ensures that you get a payoff. It is what allows you and your employees to learn. That means to make mistakes without toppling the whole effort. You know, the infrastructure is both realistic, practical, and visionary at the same time. It is what allows your improvement to sink deep roots and keep going and growing. Hmm? You're going to build systems off of this infrastructure, and that's going to become a part of your company architecture. So I wanted to say that before we got into these principles and practices. Now we're ready to begin the first set, which is the executive set. 
Let's look at principle of practice number one. Name the outcomes you expect. As the senior executive, as the site manager, you are allowed to expect. In fact, you're encouraged to expect and to expect strongly. I call those outcomes. And in my view, there are three of them. And they are, in my view, also universally applicable. It's what every company wants whenever they invest in improvement. Here are the three outcomes that I use to define success. I hope you find them useful. And again, our lens is going to be a visual rollout, but you can do the same thing with quick changeover. Achieve a showcase. Achieve a visual workplace showcase. In one area, achieve a showcase. If you're doing quick changeover, then it's achieve a quick changeover showcase in one area. <laughs> Second, achieve trackable bottom line results. And third, adopt an attitude of learning. And as you hear it, you'll see that one is the visionary outcome, achieve a showcase. The second is about money, bottom line results. And the third is about culture, adopt an attitude, adopt and promote an attitude of learning. So let's look at the first, outcome one, achieve a visual showcase. The first thing you want as a result of implementing the new methodology is a showcase in an area, a work area, where, if you're looking at visuality, where what is supposed to happen does happen on time, every time, day or night, because of visual devices. That's my definition of a visual workplace, a visual work environment, visual work area. It is self-ordering, self-explaining, self-regulating, and on very high levels, it is self-improving. It has a built-in PDCA loop. It is a work area where you have drilled deep to make operational details visual. One, one foot square, one mile deep is the way I like to say it. When a work area reaches the showcase level, it informs all of us about what a well-developed visual work environment looks like and how it functions. And when we visit that area, our own eyes tell us why visuality is important. Nobody has to sell us anything. We see it. Newcomers and visitors see it too, and they understand. And people from areas in your facility that are not yet visual will stop by, and they'll say this. This is what you hear. They say this. I want one like that. I want my area to be like that. You'll also hear, hear them say this, which I've heard many times. Finally, finally they're doing something for me. I want this. Of course, the they is you. Finally, management is doing something for me, the visual workplace. You take the struggle out of work, and that's immediately inspiring and informative. So that's your first outcome, to achieve a visual showcase. Second outcome is to achieve trackable bottom line results. Show me the money. Your KPIs will respond to visuality. Usually we see a drift in six to nine weeks, sometimes sooner. But you'll begin to see a positive drift in the direction of your measures, of your KPIs. What needs to increase will begin to increase. What needs to decrease will start to go down. And that's when and how you and others recognize that the visual improvements underway in this work area, in that work area, are translating into better performance and bottom line benefits. It's very important that we be responsible in this way. And an easy way to do this is to simply take periodic snapshots of the KPIs. Don't expect your KPIs to respond carefully and meticulously to the amount of your visual conversion effort. It's not like that. The KPIs will begin to drift. As I say, six to nine weeks, you should begin to see something. And the way I like to suggest that companies do this is to take a snapshot, to put into a binder the uh, a snapshot or a printout of what your KPIs were this month, what it was this week, and just do that week by week. 
Put it in a notebook and you'll begin to see the drift. Don't do anything fancy. There's no need. Later on, we'll talk about some other metrics that are specifically for visual. But for right now, you want to document to prove that visuality was worth the investment. And you'll do that by looking for this drift. Okay? The... The bottom line results can be really impressive. For example, I'm thinking about the work of Annie Yu at Skyworks Solution, which is a semiconductor fabrication plant outside of um, Boston. And her roll-up of the changes that were made were absolutely phenomenal when it was rolled up into the yearly figures. A 2.5 scrap reduction 7,132 hours of machine downtime was eliminated completely. There was a 54% reduction in walking and a 100% elimination of rework. This is an annual figure. And it started slowly. They began to see the drift. And then as the operators in that area, she was doing operator-led visuality work that makes sense. As the operators in the area got the hang of things, the momentum of the KPIs began to also accelerate. It was very, very interesting. So you'll want that outcome. You know, really, as the ranking side executive, you should expect documented financial results. Your investment has been large, and you want to have the payback. I will promise you <laughs> that if you effectively implement visuality, you will get these results. The emphasis, of course, is visuality, but I'm, com I'm sorry, is effectively. The emphasis is on the effectiveness of your implementation, and that's why I'm talking to you about these 25 things. It isn't, oh, oh, it isn't just a walk down the street. It's something. It is an architecture that you put into place that ensure these results will happen. <laughs> so let's move on to actually uh, outcome three. But I think I better wait until after the break because uh, we'll just get started in this and then we'll have to stop. Let's take our second break. I'll be here when you get back and we'll continue our discussion. Thanks. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Hi, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth. And we are moving to our next segment of our show where we are continuing our discussion of the outcomes, which is one of the 25 principles and practices that I recommend you put into place to have a strong implementation and a successful one of whatever you're doing. I'm always talking about visuality, but this could be quick changeover or it could be your TWI, or it could be lean. 
We want to put an infrastructure in place, and we want to put certain principles and practices that are steadily done in order to help your implementation. Now, as we move along, this is going to be more and more focused on visuality, but I think that you'll be able to derive a lot of benefit out of these principles and practices, there are 25 in all, <laughs> that I name for whatever your rollout is, whatever your conversion or your transformation is, your improvement process. And I am on the first one, which is for you, the ranking side executive, to name the outcomes that you want. We named two already in our previous segment, which was outcome number one, to achieve a visual showcase, and outcome number two, to achieve documented, measurable, bottom line results, money. <laughs> the third is to adopt an attitude of learning. And I'm just going to talk through this segment as though it is you, the ranking side executive, talking to your own company and giving them your pep talk about the importance of learning how to learn. So this is you talking. And you say something like, most of us already realize that learning is our lifelong job, no matter what company employs us. In this third outcome that I want us to pursue as part of our visual conversion, this third outcome targets the conversion of our minds and our hearts and our beliefs. As we convert our work areas to visuality, something's going to change in us, and I want that to happen. Improvement is always an opportunity to streamline our work environment, but it also helps us grow as individuals. As we change the process, we change. We learn. We learn what works, what doesn't work, what we like, what we don't like. We learn what we got right and what we got wrong. And we also learn, and this is important to me, this is you as the ranking side executive, to make the difference, to understand the difference between demands and preferences. Safety, for example, is always a requirement, so we demand it. But the way I like to have my bench laid out, for example, is a preference. I favor this way, you favor that way. I like mine, but I find yours also interesting. I know that I'm an adult, and so are you. Therefore, neither one of us is going to get bent out of shape if the other person doesn't agree with me, are we, right? We're just going to learn to stay open and sort things out. So that's what I want out of this third outcome. This is you talking. I want us to adopt an attitude of learning, to learn to stay open, so, for example, we can come to appreciate mistakes as opportunities to learn. We may even get so interested in mistakes, including our own, that instead of hiding them or blaming them on others, yikes, we study them and become scientists of our own work. We come to realize that mistakes are part of what, make, what makes improvement a journey and not a destination. You following me? This is you talking. When we learn to adopt an attitude of learning in the face of change, we will learn to stay open and bear the discomfort of not knowing the exact result. And over time, we'll learn to accept things about ourselves and about others. Even when that acceptance right now seems beyond our reach, we will learn to deal with the discomfort. Okay? One of the things I want from this company is for us to become less afraid of risk. The technical term is risk-averse. I want us to, if not welcome risk, at least recognize it when it comes and say, I'm up for it. I'm not talking about physical risk. Of course not. I'm talking about changing our minds and our hearts. Okay? And you'll learn about yourself. You'll learn new things about myself. For example, I'm going to share a secret with you, which is about to become not a secret anymore. I am cranky until about 9 o'clock in the morning, and I get here at 6, and some of you already know it. I just am cranky until about 9 o'clock in the morning. And I used to pretend I was a morning person, and then I learned that I wasn't. And it really helped me to know 
I was going to be cranky. It helped the people around me to know that as well. I learn about myself. And then I allow myself to be myself, but I also seek to change and improve. You know, I want to tell you a story about the Buddha. His first name was Gautama, Gautama the Buddha. Gautama the Buddha told a student a thousand years ago something that I think is really useful. She asked, how do I get through life's tricky parts? And he said this. He said, I have three things to say. The first is show up. The second is tell the truth. The third is stay open. Show up, tell the truth, stay open. That was the Buddha's way of saying, adopt an attitude of learning, and that's what I want for us. So this is you talking, okay? And now you've stopped talking, and now it's Gwendolyn who's talking. So these are the three outcomes that I recommend you consider when you are at the point of saying, what do I want for this, from this investment? Hmm? Achieve a showcase, achieve trackable results, adopt an attitude of learning, which is most important. All three, of course, they are equally vital to your success. So now let's move on to the second principle of practice, and that is to set up your accountability team. I call it the three-legged stool or on-site leadership. So company conversions don't happen overnight. You're going to need a small team of high-functioning, emotionally sturdy individuals to lead and support your visual conversion. You can't do it. You're the ranking site executive. You're going to designate someone to be your project manager. These individuals, this individual will work behind the scenes to plan and support and assess and troubleshoot before and during the conversion. This individual is a valued employee who is willing and able to be held accountable for the progress of the roll, rollout and for the outcomes you want the cultural outcome, the bottom line outcome, the learning outcome. We call it the three-legged stool because it has three specific people or groups of people, like the three legs, and all three of them support the seat of the stool, and the seat of the stool is your targeted areas, the areas that you are targeting for visual conversion. Okay? So... Let me talk about the first leg of the stool because the first leg of the stool is the ranking site executive, the person who sponsored the initiative, the person who authorized it, signed off on the resources, signed off on the lost time, lost production time, and on the people, and on the expense of the training, all of that. The champion is responsible for that, for the resources, but also for protecting the implementation, going to bat for it if the need arises, if somebody wants to take a pot shot, or if corporate says, time to stop, you go, you say, you know what, sir, with all due respect, madam, this is important to me and important to my plant, and I want to run with it for another few months, another six months, because this change has to happen, and I've chosen this methodology as the way for it to happen. We're getting multiple outcomes from this, and I need your support. I welcome your feedback. I'd like to hear more about it now, but I need to tell you from the get-go that I really want to go on. And maybe you'll even be strong enough and daring enough to say, boss, if this implementation goes, I go. Hmm? Oh, what do you think about that? Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> So that's the management champion, someone like that, my hero. <laughs> Leg two of the stool, of the three-legged stool, is the visual workplace coordinator. This is someone else who is a really valuable member of your team. He or she is going to be responsible for the logistical and administrative details that support the implementation, responsible for coordinating activities between departments, for scheduling, for troubleshooting, for dealing with grumpy miss and grumpy mister, for dealing with the whole stuff underneath that hasn't been addressed for decades. It's all going to come out in an implementation. That's one of the glories of an implementation. It all comes out. Mm. This person, the coordinator, should not be your trainer. 
because they have to work in a completely different way. The coordinator's job is a large one, and because of that, the coordinator is encouraged by me to designate a small group of three to five people to lend a hand. I call it the lead team. You can call it what you will. The lead team is there to help the coordinator sort through troubles, to give emotional support, maybe even to give a lunchtime to go and pick up some supplies that didn't get delivered and you need them this afternoon. This is a big job. Scheduling the training, dealing with supervisors. The coordinator gets no credit <laughs> if the implementation succeeds. The, this, the management champion gets the credit, but if it fails, this person's going to get all the blame. <laughs> Regrettably. <laughs> okay, we're sliding into our next break. And this is our last break for today. I think we might be able to complete uh, the third leg of the stool and begin maybe with the vision place. And if we do, then we'll be through three of the 25. So I'll be here uh, when you get back. Let's take our break. Thank you. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome. Welcome to the fourth and final segment of our show today at the Visual Workplace, where we are slowly but surely walking through the principles and practices behind the scenes for a successful implementation. There are 25 in all. The first set involves executives, ranking side executives, and we are uh, on the second of the, those seven principles now, principles and practices. We're talking about the three-legged stool, your accountability team. We talked about the visual workplace management champion who is the sponsor of the event, leg one. Leg two is the visual workplace coordinator who's the project manager to make sure things happen and happen in a timely and complete way. And leg three three is the visual workplace steering team. This is new terminology. This is the third leg. Call it what you wish, but what it's made up of is all hourly employees. And it's formed five to six to seven weeks after the launch of the implementation. These hourly employees are volunteers. They are not recruited. They are not urged. There is simply a sign-up sheet and an explanation. We're looking for members of the steering team. Call it what you will. Looking for members of the steering team. If you want to follow volunteer, just sign up, first come, first serve. You have a steering team per shift. If you have three shifts, that means you have three steering teams because you're representing the operator. You're 
representing the value add associate. The team's mandate sounds something like this, to stay in touch with how the implementation is going in each area, to be the eyes and the ears of the shop floor, to look for ways to strengthen the effort, to recommend solutions to problems that you spot. The steering team has no authority, and this is very important. They are simply peers looking out for peers, but reporting directly to the coordinator, reporting directly to the management champion. This can be a powerful group of people who start in a modest way, maybe have never met before, don't know anything about meeting, no problem at all. Typically, we spend about 45 minutes at the first meeting walking steering team members through what's expected of them, and then we give them a sheet of 22, if I remember correctly, 22 or 24 uh, tasks to decide on. Things like when shall we meet, where shall we meet, how long should we meet, should we have somebody taking notes, should somebody be our point person or our facilitator, somebody amongst us. And the steering team makes decisions like this, and as they go through this list of 22, 24 items, they learn how to be with each other. By the way, there is um, this file of uh, the protocol, these 22, 24 items, is in your box if you become a member. It's free. It's there. Please use it. Please look at it. It works really, really well. No one is in the room with the steering team unless specifically invited, and that includes me, and that includes the coordinator and the trainers. This team meets alone, and they gain tremendous strength. We have had steering teams take over the entire initiative. It took them a little while to find their feet, to find their legs, their hands, their brains, but when they realized that this was for them, they wanted it also to be something that they did very, very powerfully. They've also become internal consultants to other areas to help people go through the kind of hierarchy of change. When I talked about criteria base, that these operators will help other operators know what yellow looks like, know what green looks like, and be able to move through the levels. They're a beautiful, beautiful group. I recommend it to you very, very highly. So, you can add a fourth leg to the stool, make it a four-legged stool, if your company has its own in-house trainer and in-house training who is there to strengthen and support the visual rollout. This is one of the reasons why we develop the work that makes sense training and implementation system so that your own in-house trainers can do this training without us having to be a part of it. We will coach from a distance, but the training is yours to do and to do at your pace. And that would create the fourth leg of the stool. It works out really, really well. So we're going to move from the second item, which is to set up your accountability stool, to identify your vision place. Let's see if I can squeeze this in before we run out of time. Practice principle number three, identify your vision place. Everyone does this. Each member of the accountability team, each trainer, each supervisor, your ranking side executive, each operator. This is a small item, but it is mission critical. You identify a place where you've actually been that has been run visually. And even though you may never have experienced a comprehensive visual workplace before, you visited places where what was supposed to happen did happen because of visual devices. You experienced it. You saw it. It happened remarkably well. You choose a vision place. We like to see a location that is, say, within 20 or 30 miles driving distance so you can visit it often. Maybe it's a nearby factory. might be a hospital. Might be a mailbox. I'm sorry, it might be um, a post office, not a mailbox, a post office. Fine, or the county library or Friendly's ice cream parlor. But it's a location that is highly visual that you can go to 
and see a splendid array of visual devices. For example, at McDonald's, Home Depot, Lowe's, or my favorite, Disney World. Or is it Disneyland in Orlando? It's highly visual. If you've been there yourself physically, you know that it works. And you know what? It's the place that inspires you to go forward, to to keep going, even though there's not a vision place yet in your company. It's a place that you remember and you say, I want one like that. I want this to be our company. Your visual vision place outside the company becomes your vision place until you have one inside your company. And it lets you achieve it because it is a constant source of information, inspiration, and understanding on your own journey to a visual workplace. So you name it, you carry a picture around. One company gave out a camera and said, go take pictures of your vision place. And we can do that now with our iPhone so easily. So there we are. We've gotten through three of the core principles and practices of achieving a visual workplace. And we will pick up the rest next week, next show, when we come together again. 25 of them. But it's really important. Stick with it and ask yourself, what would it cost me to include that? What am I losing by not having it? These are really, really useful devices that have developed over the last 30 years of my work. And I hope that you will consider them for your own implementation. So I'm going to see you next week. And in the meantime, (laughs) this is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm signing off and I say, let the workplace speak. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.